Welcome to the Community Church Podcast, your place to belong. Thanks for taking the time to tune into this week's message. I hope that it blesses and encourages you. Good morning, everyone. Um, Right around your tables, what I'd like you to do is really quickly, I want you to kind of look at one another, answer this question. Each of you, I want you to give an answer like in five, ten seconds. And then I'd like you around your table to kind of pick the top answer, put it right to the top as if if it was family feud. And um, just kind of, that's our number one answer. So the question I want you to answer is, What do you do when you don't know what to do? What's your first, the first thing? What do you, you don't have an answer. What do you do? Okay, so go, really quick. Go, 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 go. Okay, how many tables have got your top answer? You've got it? Okay, get it? You get it? Really quick. I'm going to come, I'm going to come and I want you to listen. I want you to listen to one another. Your top answer, what do you do? Ask Diane. Ask Diane. Okay. How many had ask mom? Check with mom, okay. Uh, This table here. Pray. Pray. We have the prayer team here, so they pray, okay. That works works well. This this table. Google. Google. Google, okay. Google. Go ahead. Um, Look at the big picture. Step back, reflect. Okay, step back, reflect. Look at the big picture. Google, Google, Google. Google's in the lead right now. Uh, ask my wife. Ask my wife, okay. So he's, he, he doesn't have enough money to take her for lunch today. So that was the right answer. Talk to God. Talk to God. Talk to God, okay. You guys. Uh, we talk to each other as spouses. Okay, talk to each other as spouses, okay. Good answers. I probably missed a couple of tables. That's good. What, what do you do when you don't know what to do? That seems to be uh, a question that arises from time to time in our life. What we're going to do over the next several weeks, months, I don't know. So let me give you, would you like a little insight into this journey? Yes. Would you? Okay. How many have been in a church transition before? Okay. So you, you kind of know a little bit about the journey. Let me just give you a little bit of an insight. In our district, we probably do 20 to 30 church transitions a year. So we we care for about 324 churches. And so we're transitioning quite a bit. We understand the journey. Let me say this. Not every journey is the same. I don't know what your journey is going to look like. I have actually been through the process. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to leave a church. I know how broken. Listen, Pastor Jay is in Wawa this morning, and I know (laughs) better him than me. That's all I can say. (laughs) Because the truth is, um, if he hadn't have been transitioning, I would have been in Wawa this morning. And it, oh man, last year, last, I won't even go into that story. That was just brutal. It took me like three days just to get home, but never so cold. In this, in this journey, some things happen. 
And one of the things that happened is, and, and Ryan, Ryan, when he was making his announcement, he said like five or six times, would you pray? Would you pray? Folks, you need to pray. This, this is not just um, emotional, physical, and tangible process. This is a spiritual process. God is at work in this process. And as much as, as you are thinking, what, what are we going to do? There is actually someone out there. And if I knew who that person this, was this morning, I would say, I want you to pray for Bob. Okay, now I don't start praying for Bob because that's not Bob. Or I hope it's not Bob. Or <laughs> I don't know. I want you to know there was a day that I knew I was going to be transitioning. And at the time, Pastor David Shepard was the superintendent. And I went to him and I said, Pastor Shepard, I, I think I, I'm ready to transition. I, I've been praying and Wendy and I have been praying and are, we're, 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 we're not sure. And he goes, Mark, you just keep praying. And so he said, but, but there's some churches that are open. I want you to pray about these churches. And I'll just be frank with you. The churches were the Dune Pentecostal Church. Some of you remember just outside of Kitchener, there was a little village called Dune. There used to be a church there. Dune was open. They changed the name to Freedom in Christ, which is better than Dune. Um, Barry was open. Our highway church in Barry was open, and the Woodstock church was open. Now, I was sitting in my office, and they called from Woodstock. Pastor Collins, this is the board, the official spokesperson of the board. This is Tom Ferns. No. <laughs> and, 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 and I'm calling on behalf of the board and the church to ask if you would consider coming to Woodstock. And I, I thought, I, th I said, well, can you just ask, answer me a question, one question? Because, see, Wendy and I really feel that we have been called south of the 401. <laughs> Some of you will understand that. And so I said, yeah, that's really cool. Thank you so much. I'm really honored. Can you just answer me one question, though? Like, uh, the Woodstock, the church, like, is it? North of the 401 or south of the 401? He said, oh, we're just north of the 401. I said, I'm sorry, we're kind of... <laughs> well, Barry... <laughs> Dune, north of the 401. So about a week or two later, Pastor David Shepard and I were talking... And he said, oh, Mark, I've been praying. And if you know Pastor David Shepard, he's just, he's big and he's got hands the size of bear paws and he just put his hand on me and I just praying for you. And, and, and now have you considered Woodstock? And I said, no, no, no. Mark, did you think about bear? I go, no. He goes, well, you can't think about Dune anymore because they got a pastor and he's coming and that's going to leave the Leamington church open. So Mark, you just keep praying. I said, thank you, Pastor Shepard. He walked away. And I thought, where's Leamington? What? I've, I've heard of Leamington. I think it's near Sarnia. So I got out my Encyclopedia Britannica, which is an early version for you younger people of Google. 24 volumes, 1973 edition. And I went to the maps. One, one had just maps in it. So it was like an app. It was, you just took, the, just took the maps one, turned to the page, and I looked all over. But Leamington did not exist in, in, on that map. And I thought, it's got to be here. I know Leamington is a town somewhere. It sounds familiar. I'm pretty sure I've never been there. And I was sure I'd never been there. And I looked around. I said to my wife, you ever heard of Leamington? Oh, yeah. Isn't so-and-so there? I go, yeah, I know who's there, but I don't know. 
Got out another map, and I looked. It was south of the 401. Not only that, it's on number three highway, which is like as south as you can get. Dear God, send me to Leeming. The truth was, for the next few weeks, without the board calling me or anything, all I could think about was Leamington. I began to pray about it. We took a couple of days holidays and we drove through Leamington. It was strange because as we drove into the town, we drove past the church. My kids were younger at the time. My daughter leaned ahead in the seat and looked at the church and she said, Dad, are we moving here? And Wendy and I were like, whoa, maybe. But you see how God placed it in our hearts and then, and then the process began and, and they called me. I didn't call them. And we spent almost five years in Leamington, had great years. Took that congregation, we built an 850-seat auditorium, and we just had a riot there. They were wonderful, wonderful, lots of German people. <laughs> I, I learned to sing a Stilich Nacht, Silent Night. It's really good. I, I, like, I like the food. But together, you and I are going to be on a journey. It's going to be an adventure. We're going, to, we're going to be listening particularly for the voice of the Spirit. Each part of the journey will have unique features. Each one of us have a unique place on this journey. And every one of us is going to hear something from God. Not just for our church, not just for your family, but right down to individuals, right down to the youngest, right down to our star junior highs who cheer for the Blackhawks. We're going to pray for them. <laughs> You need to be prepared. I, I, wanna, I want you to prepare by, I'm, from time to time, I'm going to give you a scripture verse to read. And this week, I, I'm just going to ask you to read Romans chapter 8. And don't read it now. You can turn in your Bibles there, because in a moment, we're going to go to Romans chapter 8. But have you ever noticed that when you don't know what lies ahead, the stress meter goes up? Have you ever noticed that you can drive down your road on a sunny day, and you know exactly where everything is, and then all of a sudden, the fog rolls in, or, or, or it's just one of those dark, dark, foggy days, and you get, you're anticipating, you're, you're in stress, you don't know, and, and probably tomorrow, tomorrow night, when the, when the blizzard hits, you're going to be driving through your neighborhood and going, I know that sign is here somewhere, and you're going to be really, really stressed. Well, Chippy the parakeet never saw it coming. One moment, he was peacefully perched in his cage, and the next thing... <laughs> He was sucked in, washed up, blown over. The problems began when Chippy's owner decided to clean Chippy's cage with a vacuum cleaner. She removed, don't get ahead of me. She removed the attachment from the end of the hose and stuck it in the cage, trying very carefully not to be around Chippy. The phone rang, she reached for it, barely had said hello, went <laughs> Chippy got sucked right into the vacuum. The bird owner gasped. She put down the phone turned off the vacuum, opened up the bag, and there was Chippy, still alive, but stunned. Chippy was covered with dust and soot dirt. She grabbed him. She raced to the bathroom, turned on the faucet, held Chippy under the running water, and then realizing Chippy was soaked and shivering, she did what any compassionate bird owner would do. She reached for the hairdryer, <laughs> blasted the little bird with hot air, and poor Chippy never knew what hit him. A few days after the trauma, a reporter 
who had initially written about the event, contacted Chippy's owner to see how the bird was recovering. Well, she said, Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. <laughs> he just sits and stares. It's hard not to see why. When you get sucked in, washed up, blown over, that's enough to steal a song from the strongest heart. Can you relate to Chippy? Can you? Most of us can. One minute you're seated in familiar territory with a song on your lips, then the pink slip comes. The rejection letter arrives. The doctor's office calls. The divorce papers are delivered, a check bounces. Policeman knocks at your door. Suddenly you're sucked in the black cavern of doubts, doused with the cold water of reality, stung with the hot air of empty promises. Your life that had been so calm is now stormy. You're hailstormed by demands, assailed by doubts, pummeled by questions, and somewhere in the trauma, you actually lose your joy. You lose your song. Maybe you found yourself in the storm of life. Maybe you've had doubts. I don't know. Romans 8 starts out there, out, out this way. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. So I want to alleviate you of one thing this morning. If you've been condemning yourself as a follower of Christ, understand there is no condemnation. The, the verse goes on, or the chapter goes on down to chapter, or down to verse 22, and it says this, and I want you to read this with me, okay? I want you to say these first two, two words together. We know. Say it again. We know. Say it again. We know. That the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we eagerly await for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Isn't that cool? That's what we're waiting for. We know that we're saved. We know that we've been forgiven. And we're waiting for the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all, who hopes for what you already have? But we hope for what we do not have. We wait for it patiently. Verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Say these words. We do not know. Say it again. We do not know. Husbands, turn to your wife and say that. <laughs> wives, turn to your husbands and say. A little louder, wives. <laughs> we want to hear that. We do not know. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes with us through wordless groans, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Verse 28, and we know that what? All things work for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Father, take your word this morning. Put it into our hearts. Put it into our spirits. And Lord, embrace it into our lives that we understand, Lord, there are sometimes there are things that we just don't know. And help us with that today, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Notice these words in verse 26 particularly. We just don't know. 
We don't know. If, if I'm going to put a, series, a, a, a title to the series over the next several weeks, it's going to be what to do when you don't know what to do. And this may apply to us as community church. This may apply to your family. There may be something happening in your family, and you just go, we don't know what to do. It's okay. Maybe in your own individual life, you're sitting there, and nobody else knows you don't know what to do. We're going to discover that. We as humans, we have so much trouble with not knowing. We love to know it all. We have made knowing our idol. Did you ever notice how good you think you look when you know it all? Isn't that just good to know? You know it all. Wendy and I were in a mall not too long ago, and we couldn't find the genius store uh, where they sell apples. And, um, and they have all these geniuses there. I know they're geniuses because it says right on their shirt, genius. Great. And us two geniuses, <laughs> we could not find the store. So we went to the information booth, and these two, guys, these two boys, and these two boys were about as misfit as you could find. Like, they were just really kind of misfit. That's all I'm going to say. And they literally, honey, did they not run up to us? They kind of ran up to us and said, we'll take you to the, to the Apple store. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be fun. See, because they knew, they knew where it was, and they wanted to show us. And so the whole walk down there, I talked to them and just plumbed and mined everything out of their brains, and they wanted to tell us everything that they knew. Some of us just hope that others will swoon at the depth of our knowledge. We hate to deal with uncertainty. We have so much trouble with those words, we do not know, I do not know. Can you imagine how much more comfortable we would be if we could just say, I don't know. I don't know, Lord. But we're so afraid of I don't know. We make I know our ultimate model. We worship at the shrine of our own opinion. We love to hear our own voice. We love to hear our own view, our own opinion, even if it means sacrificing other people. I had to put this in here because I know I have sacrificed other people for my opinion. You see it all the time on Facebook. People that have, that just know. Do you know, do you have those friends that just know? I just go to delete post and I, because they just know and they will, sacrifice, they will sacrifice their friendships. They will sacrifice family because they know. They're smarter than everybody else. They know. Have you ever done something and, when you, and then you realize just how little you know? <laughs> I'm afraid to ask Tom what you did, but... Have you ever just started, you know, you, know you, take your, you start taking your car apart because you think, well, that mechanic down in the corner can't be that bright. And so you start taking apart your car and you get about halfway and then you think, I wonder how much it's going to cost to tow it there and, and, get it, and get it fixed properly. Wendy and I have been sailing. I've sailed for over 40 years. We've, we've, we've probably sailed tens of thousands of nautical miles. We've sailed many, many voyages. We've had our own boats. We've sailed, we, we, we've sailed the Great Lakes, the ocean. Here's what I've learned. The more I sail, the less I know. 
The more I sail, things will, I have done some things. I can remember when we were younger, we just threw the kids in our sailboat. We had a brand new sailboat in Port Dover at the Yacht Club. And we threw the kids in the sailboat and off we went to Erie, Pennsylvania, across the lake. When I look back at that now, I think, were we nuts? We're just crazy. People say this to me now. My contemporaries, my friends, people who are, who are thinking on retiring now, they'll come to me and say, oh, Mark, I understand you do a little bit of sailing. We were down in the islands, and we saw those sailboats. Now, Betty and I think we're going to go and buy us a sailboat, and we're going to sail down to Florida. And I go, no kidding. Yeah. Now, we're just, we're just going to launch out and do that. We, we read a few books. We, we Googled it. We watched a thing on YouTube. It looks like no problem. I just walk away going, you just don't know. You don't. Here's what I've learned. Experience brings humility. And humility will bring you to these words, I don't know. Do you know that there's no room for God in a mind that's full of self? Have you ever heard someone being complimented with these words? Oh, he's just so full of himself. That's not a compliment. The compliment comes when people say that he or she is such a humble person. You see, there's no room for God in a mind that is full of self. You may come to church and raise your hand and say hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, but in your heart, you can't worship because you're so full of yourself. There's no room for Jesus. He can't reign in you because you reign in you. That's a little harsh, I know. But here's what I've noticed. I was born and raised in church. I'm, I'm like, where did I say, where's Lydia? I'm like, Lydia, we just don't know any better. Your mom and dad just raised you in church. Our butts just fit a pew perfectly. If I, it's like going to chiropractor for me. If I don't sit in church for an hour or two every week, I, I got something wrong with my back. I better go sit in church for a while. This is what I've observed. People that are so full of themselves that they can't worship. On the other hand, have you ever noticed the people that can worship? They come to church. They're the ones, Lydia, with the deep hurts. They're messed up. They're broken. They're bruised. They're in chaos. And they're ready to humble themselves. They're, they don't worry about what you think. Have you ever just stood beside that person? And as you stand up for a second. And as you're worshiping, they're just like, oh, Oh, just about knocking. They don't, sorry. And sometimes they'll even say you're sorry. They don't care what they have on. They don't care who's looking. They just have enough strength to drag themselves to a worship moment and humble themselves and say, God, I just don't know. I have prayed with people at the altar for Decades, and I've never had anyone come to me and say, Pastor, here's what I want you to pray for this morning because I know what the problem is. They always come and they say, don't they? You prayer team, what do they say? Oh, we don't, we don't, I don't, I don't. They can't even get the words out. 
They don't even know how to express, I don't know. The most powerful words in this text are, we don't know. You and I like to think we got it. We know what to do. We can handle it. Instead of humbling ourselves and saying, I don't know. Can't worship when you're in control. You can't win in God's economy when you're in control. Why? Because you have something else in mind. You have your own agenda. In other words, you don't have in mind what God has in mind. Here's a suggestion, and this is for me, okay? I write this stuff down because, and it may sound harsh, it's because I have to be harsh on myself. I have to say words like this. Mark, quit using your own tactics and strategies. I'm a linear thinker. I'm a tactician. I'm a strategist. And so I strategize. I figure, okay, if I do this, then I do this, then God's going to have to do this and this and this. And I have to say, I have to put those aside. Quit trying to manipulate God. <laughs> do, you, do you remember some of you who were in Sunday school years ago? You, do you remember when Moses went up to the mountain to get the Ten Commandments? It's the Ten Commandments. He actually got two things when he was up there. He got, the, he got the Ten Commandments, and he got the plans for the tabernacle. Two things. While he is up there, what are the Israelites doing? Oh, yeah, they're down having a prayer meeting. In fact, they're dancing naked around a calf. As God is penning the words, you shall have no other idols, the Israelites are dancing around a golden calf. They were breaking the rules as God was making them. Do you understand that's where we live? We're breaking. We are not going to go this day without doing something contrary to God's laws. And you're going to go, oh, how could he ever say that? I know I'm going to. But here's what I do. I know that there's a way of escape. So God gives the standard, the Ten Commandments. Then he gives the the plans for the tabernacle, which is a way of escape. He says, here's a sacrifice. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to sacrifice an animal. And then after they finished with that whole sacrificial system, Jesus comes and he says, no, no. Now I am going to be the sacrifice once for all. We used to sing a hymn, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. I am as white. I'm, I'm whiter than this jacket. This jacket's stained. Jesus is the one who cleanses me. But we think we got it all down. We think we know what's going on. Do you remember the story Jesus walks into a town? I think it's in John chapter 9. He's walking into town, and there's a, the Bible says there was a blind man there. And as Jesus is walking, he's got his, his, his you know, disciples, knuckleheads, whatever they are, walking with him. They come across this blind man, and right away the disciples go, oh, 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 blind man. We know what's wrong, Jesus. We know, we know, Jesus. And they're going, ask me, ask me, you know, ask me. They're that girl in your grade six class. You just know, knows it all. Ask me. And Jesus kind of looking at them and going, what are you talking about? Jesus, <laughs> we, we know, we know. This man, he sinned. The reason he's blind, he's sin, right? <laughs> I, I got it. And the other guys are going, oh, he got it. And Jesus goes, oh, he didn't sin. Sorry, Jesus got that one wrong. Now, his parents sinned. 
Where they're waiting for the right answer. They're waiting for Family Feud, the lights to go off. And Jesus says, no, guys, listen. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. But this man was born blind. See, because you guys just don't know. So that the works of God would be manifest in his life. And then along come the Pharisees because Jesus heals the man from being blind. And the Pharisees, see, they know too. And what do the Pharisees say in John chapter 9? This man, Jesus, well, he's not from God. See, they knew. They were the religious right. They had the right to criticize. They had all the degrees. They knew. He's not from God. Finally, they asked the blind man, Who is this man? He goes, I don't know. Where did he come from? I don't know. Is he a prophet? I don't know. And the blind says, the blind man finally just piped up and says, I only know one thing. And they're like, what? He goes, once I was blind, now I can see. So you don't have to know. All you have to know is who knows. Do you know Jesus this morning? The whole earth, earth, the whole, we know that all creation is groaning. That's, that's the start of verse 22. We know, we know that. And we, and we know, verse 28, that all things to work together for good to them that love the Lord. But somewhere in the middle, we don't know. Here's what I'm learning. I don't know. I've been a father for over 35 years. And I still don't know. I I get them figured out about Ewan's stage and they're turning 16. I got 16 figured out by the time they were turning 21 because I didn't know. Now I'm a grandfather and I don't know. Some of you are moms and and some of you may be in your midlife crisis. Some of you may be in menopause. You just don't know. You know, your husband's going, what's going on around here? She's not crazy. Maybe you've never had a good example of a father. Maybe you've never had a good example of a mother. And you just don't know. We're all living under stress and chaos. Chaos. That's why we need the guidance and, and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus says, when, he, when he, he announces to his disciples, he said, listen, guys, I'm going away. I'm going back to my father. And they're going, no, no, you can't go. Don't go, don't go, don't go. Please, please, Jesus, please. We need you. He goes, I'm going to go, but I'm going to send my spirit to comfort you, to guide you, to lead you, to come alongside of you. So you can't stress and worship at the same time. So let me finish up with these two things this morning. What do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do? I, I, I just, I've, I've known this, I've thought about it, but recently it really came to life for me. What do you do when you don't know what to do? Just turn to somebody and say, I don't know. Turn to them right now and say, I don't know. The first thing you do is to admit that you do not know. Just admit it. Just say, I don't know what to do. That is going to be really, really hard. 
really, 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 really hard. See, I, I know what to do. I'm 61 years old. I've got a whole lifetime of experience. I got a whole lot of things dialed in. I, so I want to be healthy, okay? My grandfather smoked, drank, abused his body, and lived till he was 84 years old. I figure if I look after things, I'm going for like one, maybe buck ten. I don't know. Don't know. But, and to me, longevity isn't the thing. I, want, I actually want to die healthy. I don't want... And so I'm trying, so I try to eat way. Ask my wife what I have for breakfast. I have a smoothie with protein and spinach, and, blah, 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 and I look after myself. I exercise, I cycle like an idiot, 40, 60 kilometers, and no big deal. I can do 100, and I'll ride from Vineland into work and home. Like, big deal. Drives her crazy. Last fall, I got sick. Couldn't figure out what was wrong. Got an infection. Infection got worse, led to some other stuff. I've just had some major surgery in my leg about a month ago, and the incision and everything to try and straighten up some nerves in my leg, and all of this stuff was, it just kept compiling and compiling and compiling. About the 1st of November, I started to have a heart attack because I had gone to Dr. Google and self-diagnosed, because I know. See, I know. I know what's wrong with me. And, and, and it got so bad, one night, one night I, I, I got up, I had worked myself into such a frenzy. Can you imagine this? I'm confessing this to you this morning because I want you to know this is what happens when you think you know. I got up in the middle of the night, I passed out, hit the bathroom floor, and we thought it would be nice to have ceramic tile in there like all the Italians. I hit my head in the floor and seven stitches later and a whole day in the hospital and back and forth, they had to bust me into, or ambulance me into the Hamilton Hospital to check because they thought I had something. I'm not a doctor, I don't know, but I could have Googled it and figured it out anyways because I, then I would know. I was going nuts. I thought I was having a heart attack. I finally went to my doctor and, and I said to her, I, I have a female doctor, she's just wonderful. A couple of things get a little uncomfortable, but that's okay. <laughs> When she looks in my mouth, I don't, I don't like people in my mouth, that's all. And um, so I went to her, and I was sitting there, and I had worked myself into such a frenzy. My heart was, I could feel it. I, I don't know if you've had so much stress. I have, and I had put myself in that position, because I knew. I knew what was wrong. I was having heart failure, probably congestive, yes, because I had a bit of a cough as well. I had looked at every Mayo Clinic, WebMD. I knew. I wasn't sleeping at night. I, was, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was checking my insurance policy so that when I died, I knew Wendy was going to be looked after. My grandchildren were going to be looked after. I was, I was dying. And I sat in the doctor's office. She started asking me questions because she's skilled at it and she knows what to ask. And she had me in tears not laughing, emotionally. And she looked at me and she goes, Mark, tell me, what do you think is wrong? And I said, Marlena, I'm having a heart attack. And she went like this and she looked at me and she said, look at me, you're not having a heart attack, just be still. 
be still? I left her office. And as I drove home, I thought, be still. Be still and know that I am God. And I took that portion of scripture. It's in Psalm 46. Psalm 46 begins like this. God is our refuge and strength an ever-present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way. (laughs) Yikes. And the mountains fall into the sea, and the waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake upon their surging. Be still. Not do, see, the Bible doesn't say do still. There's a difference between ontology and function. Ontology is being. You be still. See, function is do still. Okay, I'm going to do still. Mm, I'm doing still. Mm-mm. It's being still. It's understanding that God's got it. Father, I don't know. But I know you do. And you got it. And I'm going to be still. And know you are God. And let you be God. So the first thing you do, admit, I don't know. Second thing you do is choose to be still. You have to choose it. You have to choose. It can't be forced on. Because I said it this morning, don't go and say, okay, I gotta be still, I gotta be still. How do I do that? Mm. Find yourself alone. You, you have to literally find your place. If you have to go in your bedroom, close the door. Wendy let me alone in my bedroom. And I laid there and I said, I'm going to be still. And know you are God. And within days, I'm going to tell you this, within days, I wasn't having a heart attack. <laughs> Other things that I had worked myself into a frenzy, infection and everything, started to leave my body. The next thing you know, we had already planned this cruise and we were with my brother and I'm walking around the deck of the Scheiderdamm. I love the captain of the Jairdom. <laughs> and I'm walking around the deck and I'm thinking, be still and know that I am God. So I want you to know this morning that even in the middle of your not knowing, God has promised you in our weakness. The Spirit is praying for us. The verse says, when we don't know how to pray, the Spirit prays for us. It's not through us. It's for us. That means the Spirit is praying for you this morning. You think your, your situation is beyond anything. Did you know if you would be still and know that he is God, the Spirit is praying for you. In the middle of your distress and pain, God has said that all things work together for good to those who love him. Do you love him this morning? Then it's going to work good. Even those who are still confused and suffering choose to be still. Psalm 27 says, wait for the Lord. Now this is the hard part. You have to wait. You don't go, it's, our problem is, is we're so used to instant. We think we just pop God in the microwave and 10 seconds later, bam, out he comes. Ready to go. No. 
process. He's working on our hearts. Here's what I understood from the Spirit, that God is more concerned about my character than he is my comfort. And sometimes he has to take me through some difficult moments to refine my character. Some of you guys, do you watch the Forged in Fire, those guys making those big knives and, and they're smashing that steel and forging it? It makes me uncomfortable because I know that's what God's doing to me. He heats me up and then he makes me into a shape so that I can be useful, that I can be his tool. Wait for the Lord, be strong, take heart. Second Corinthians says, his power is made perfect in our weakness. Isn't that good? Doesn't matter how strong you think you are. Are you bench pressing, what, 250, 260 now? <laughs> what do you weigh, 80 soaking wet? <laughs> Understand this. His power is made perfect in your weakness. Isn't that cool? That is so powerful. If you've been struggling, I want to pray with you as we close today. And if, as you're dismissed, if you, if you want someone to pray with you, I'm going to be here. Pastor Scott's going to be here. Some of our worship team will be here. Pray with you. Our prayer team will be here. And we're just going to pray with you really quickly. It won't be a long thing. But let me dismiss you now, and then I'm going to give you a blessing. Okay, so Father, I thank you this morning for my friends that have gathered in this place. Lord, I thank you for their, for their uh, Lord, sacrificing of, of just getting up a little bit earlier this morning to be in your house, Lord, to find their way here. And Lord, they long for your presence today. And Lord, I pray that they have experienced your presence. Lord, your presence has been here since way before we even got here today. And Lord, that thing that's been drawing us, that thing that's been speaking to us, Lord, we, we maybe don't even fully understand what it is. We understand that's your spirit speaking to us. And Lord, your spirit has been saying, be still and know that I am God. Lord, we just acknowledge that today. We don't know but we're going to choose to be still. Help us with that this week, we pray. We pray these things now in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. As you go, I bless you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Have a great week. Thanks for listening in to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on all social media to stay updated with everything Community Church. Also check us out at www.communitychurch.ca.